0: You would please turn in your Bibles, Acts chapter sixteen. Acts chapter sixteen. In Acts chapter sixteen. Paul and Silas heal a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. She was being used by her handlers as a fortune teller and they heal her and because they heal her her masters her her handlers those who owned her weren't going to make any money anymore because she wasn't a fortune teller anymore and they didn't like that and so they put Paul and Silas in prison and we pick up Here in Philippi, in verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened from sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice, saying, "Do yourself no harm, for we are all here." The jailer thought that he had lost all of his prisoners, and as a contract worker in those days, if he had done that, he would have been killed. And so he decided that he was going to take his own life before they did it for him. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for you are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell, trembling, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? We don't know much more about the beginning of the Philippian jailer than we do right here. We don't know if he had been listening. We don't know if he had been taught before. If he would known a little bit. But he asked the question that many of you, well, nay, most of you have asked. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Most of you have asked and you've answered this question. You've obeyed the doctrine of God. You've obeyed the Gospel. But I want all of us to be on the, on the same page, so to speak, tonight. That's the reason I wanted you to get your Bibles. I wanted all of us to be on the same page tonight. And I I want us to ask this question again in light of the answer, as as Brother Doug has alluded to, and thank you, Brother Doug, for for the song service and and putting that together. That was was a lot of thought, and I appreciate the thought put into that. But as Brother Doug said, there there was an answer that's given here. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And we're going to look at this question in light of the answer. Look at Verse 31, So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Now, many nice people, and they are nice people, they say, See, when asked what to do to be saved, the answer was, Believe on the Lord Jesus. There it is, right there. These nice people will agree that there is no other name by which we must be saved. They'll agree with that. But when asked by the lost, in verse 30, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answer, verse 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and that is all. So our New Testament first century question begs, the 21st century question to be answered. What does it mean to believe on Jesus? When the Bible talks about believing on Jesus, we need to believe Jesus. That's all. And, and people even say that. You need to believe Jesus. That's how you're saved. What do we understand the Bible to say? Not what they to say, but the Bible to mean. What does it mean to believe on Jesus? Jesus. Please turn and I'm going to put some scriptures on the on the screen here. And you can go ahead and write these down. You can turn to them as I turn with them. But I want you please to turn to John chapter three. And we're going to answer the question what does it mean to believe on Jesus? John chapter three. John chapter 3 beginning with verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Most all of us, we know this passage. We've read this passage over and over and over again. This reading is sometimes called the golden text of the Bible. In this one verse, we find God being the greatest being who ever lived. We find the greatest being, God. There is no greater than God. God is all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's everywhere. In this text, we find the greatest motive, love. Faith, hope, love. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, faith, hope, love. These are all wonderful, but the greatest of these is love because God is love, John writes. We find the greatest need the world, the world needs Jesus Christ. The world needs what God has. And we find the greatest sacrifice, the Son of God. If the world needs it, there's only one way they can get it. They can only get it through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We find the greatest offer, whoever. God doesn't just pick out you and you and you and that's it. That's all who gets to who gets to who gets to obey. That's all who gets to be saved. No, whoever wants to, whoever wants it, we find the greatest condition believes, and that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. What does it mean to believe on Jesus? We find the great because we find the greatest tragedy here to perish. You don't have to perish. What a tragedy it would be if you walked out the door tonight only to perish. And We find the greatest promise. You don't have to perish. You can have everlasting life. You can have eternal life. Most everyone is familiar with this text, but so many truly don't know what it means, back on up in there in that John 3.16, to believe on Jesus. What does it mean to believe on Jesus and be saved? Now Jesus here, He mentions Moses. He mentions Moses here and how Moses, uh, how the serpent was lifted up. And He compares that to how He must be lifted up. So let's look and find out what does He mean about that. Turn to Numbers 21. What does Jesus mean when he talks about Moses and the serpent? Well, in in Numbers 21, the Israelites, they had been refused passage through Edom. They're wandering and they, they had to go the long way around Edom verses 4-6 verses through six, it says they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Eden and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way and the people spoke against God and against Moses why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness for there is no food and no water and our soul loathes this worthless bread so the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and many of the people of Israel Israel died, and, the, and the, the people came to Moses, and they cried out to Moses, Moses, pray for us, they said. And he did. And look at verse 8. Then Moses said to the Lord, after he had prayed, he said, Moses said to the Lord, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who has bitten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and so it was if a serpent had been anyone when he looked at the bronze serpent he lived now Israel believed God would heal them but God required them to do something look he required them to to look upon the brass serpent upon the pole they couldn't just sit in their tent and say oh I believe you Moses I believe you and be saved they would have died in that tent Jesus said He would be lifted up like the serpent on the pole. He would have to be lifted up. The Israelites were not saved by belief alone. They had to obey and we must obey. Look back at John chapter 3. Look at verse 18. Jesus describes the character of the faith that's required in, in order to be saved. At verse 18. He who believes in Him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he does not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Did you notice the one who believes in Jesus does the truth. The one who believes in Jesus does the truth. Do you you get that there? Look over at James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Begin with verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If our brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says, Depart in peace and be warm and filled, but you do not give him the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And James, he goes on to say here that even demons believe. Even demons do that. If you're out there believing right now, you have something in common with demons. They do it too. They believe in Jesus. It's not faith alone. Nor is it works alone. But both of them together. James mentions two people on down here. He mentions, he mentions Abraham as, as we go on and read. And he mentions, he mentions Rahab. Abraham of course he's the father of many nations and Rahab she was she was a harlot but a, a distant grandmother of, of Jesus Christ Matthew chapter one verse five it, it says it says in uh, verse 21 was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? wasn't he justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar turn, let's turn to that account turn over to Genesis chapter 22 Abraham was told to sacrifice his only son. And Abraham goes through with the sacrifice of Isaac to the point of, look at verse verse 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to, to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son your only son from me when do we understand that Abraham feared God it's not until he'd done all that God had commanded look up look back up at verse 2 then he, this, this is God talking to Abraham. Then he said, "Now take, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I'll tell you." And, and, and Abraham did this. Abraham did this. Now notice, turn over to Hebrews, Hebrews 11. Let's pick up the rest of this in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 verse 17. By faith Abraham when he was tested offered up Isaac and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said in Isaac your your seed shall be called concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Abraham offered up Isaac by faith. His obedience to God was a matter of faith. Remember James, he mentioned Rahab. He mentioned Rahab the harlot. Grandmother to Jesus. Now let's look at her account. Joshua chapter 2. The Children of Israel, they're finally able to go into the promised land. And they, sent, they send spies in to the land to check out what needs to be conquered and, and Rahab she 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 shelters the spies and for her service to Israel she's allowed to live if she does something first. Look at verse 17. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours which you have made us swear unless when we come into the land you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down and unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers and your father's household to your own home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street his blood shall be on his own head and we will be guiltless and whoever... And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on them. Did you you notice what she had to do? Now, look back at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's pick up the rest of the story. Let's pick up the, 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 the ending to the story. Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 31. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Her obedience was a faith. Her faith saved her because, like Abraham, her faith was made perfect through works. She obeyed, she tied the cord. She stayed inside. She did what they said. She had to or she would have died like all the rest. If you ask the question, what must I do to be saved? If you ask that question, what must I do to be saved? And let's say that Jesus, in His Word, He says, you've got to pole vault ten feet. Well, I guarantee you we'd have gymnasiums across this country teaching our little ones how to pole vault. Hopefully my my youngest, Emmy, she could pole vault at least two or three feet by now. I'd be lost, wouldn't I? I'd be lost. Some of you would too. If that's what it was. If that's what we had to do. What if you were told to tie a scarlet cord on your door? What if you were told to do that to be saved? Would you do it? What if you were told to look upon a brass serpent on a pole and you'll be saved? What if you were told that? Would you do that? What if you were told... To give your firstborn. Could you do it? There's a mama over there shaking her head. Could you do it? Look over at Acts chapter 2 verse 36. Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches the first gospel sermon. The gospel, as we talked about this morning, is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and Peter, he preaches that. He preaches the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in verses 22 through 35. And then in verse 36, he says... Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Does that sound familiar? Isn't that the same kind of question that that the jailer asked? Then Peter said to them repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off as many as our Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying be saved from this perverse generation Then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Peter preached Christ and verse 36 indicates that those who listened were convicted of the truth but they weren't saved yet. They believed but they weren't saved yet, folks. Notice they were told to tie a scarlet cord on the door. No, that's not what they were told to do. Oh, they were told to look upon a a brass serpent. No, that's that's not what they were. They were told to pole vault ten feet. No, they were told to give up their firstborn child. No. No. Look what look, look what they were told. They weren't told to look at. On a snake nor tie a scarlet cord upon their door they were not told to take the life of their child but after they repented and were baptized they were saved verse 47 praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved they were added to the church look over at Acts chapter 16 again Acts chapter 16. We're still in Philippi. And as as I read verses 14 and 15, notice. Notice, when when did a woman named Lydia regard herself as a believer? Okay? Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. She understood that she could be judged faithful after she was baptized. She believed and she obeyed. Now, back to the beginning of our study tonight. And our question, verse 30. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Let's look at the fuller answer. So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. When was the jailer called a believer? Before he repented and was baptized or after? He was not called a believer until, he was, until after he was baptized. Turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Notice this in Hebrews chapter 5. beginning with verse 8. Answer the question as I read. Answer this question as I read. Of of whom is Jesus the Savior? Who is Jesus the Savior of? Though He was a son, yet He learned obedience by the things which He suffered. And having been perfected, He became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. Jesus, can you see it? Can you see it right here? Jesus is the Savior of those who obey Him. To believe on Jesus means more than just mere belief I mean are there any are there any who Jesus saves who have not obeyed him remember demons believe and shudder James says look at our last scripture Mark chapter 16 Jesus says in verse 15. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go and preach the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We we find out what the gospel is in in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. And we're to go and preach the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ everywhere. Now notice verse 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Notice that though. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. That's what Jesus asks all in this room to do. And the question is, Will you obey him and be saved? You know, just just like the the, the Philippian jailer, you may be asking that question, and, and it's been answered in your presence tonight. What must I do to be saved? You may have been asking that question. What should you do? What must you do? Should be the better answer question. What must you do? You've got to obey. It's a must. It's a must for you to obey Jesus Christ right now.